Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I immediately shot up in bed, drenched in sweat as I heard the church bells ring in the distance. It was still pitch black outside, and the clock read just past four in the early morning, meaning the first rays of daylight were peeking above the horizon. My wife lay peacefully beside me, not easily awakened even by the sound that might very well have ended our lives. Honey, Alice, you gotta wake up, I said as I shook her. As she came to, she too heard the sound of the bells, and I could see the immediate panic in her eyes. The kids, she shouted. It was a drill we'd practiced a dozen times before. Everyone in town knew what the ringing of the bells meant, that we were all in imminent danger. Our task was simple, get dressed in a hurry, grab the kids, and escape to the church, our only refuge from the oncoming storm. Our kids were already up and getting dressed. Even at the age of seven and nine, they knew exactly what to do. I'm ready, mommy, Dylan said almost proudly. My wife grabbed him while I took care of Johnny. Let's go, I said as we rushed out the door. Driving wouldn't be an option. Vehicles tended to malfunction during these events. The sky had turned gray, with thick gray fog falling from the sky. Time was short, and if we didn't get to the church in the next 15 minutes, we'd all be dead. But we were among the lucky ones, living only 10 minutes away by foot. Those who originally lived in the outskirts of town had mostly relocated or had already been taken by the Murmilos. Demons forged in battle from tainted souls merged together into incomprehensible messes. They wished for nothing but death, craved only suffering. They were a creation of pure evil, an accident perfectly suited for hell. The church was situated atop of the hill, tended to by a single man just known as the pastor. He was the only one capable of preventing the town from total annihilation gifted with the divine knowledge he couldn't part with, even had he wanted to. Most of his life had been spent hunting down demons and exiling them from our plane of existence. While a fair share of them always found their way back, he'd saved countless lives. As we made our way up the hill, we were met by a few dozen people, the last survivors of our town, all rushing within as the fog touched the ground. We'd always kept track of the inhabitants, and by the time of the last event, we were down to only 43. Where's the pastor? I asked as we got inside. He's not here yet. You didn't see him on the way? One of the women asked. She was Miriam, one of the last remaining school teachers, responsible for making sure everyone had gotten inside safely. But as much as she cared, there was little she could do if someone missed the deadline. I shook my head, quickly looking over the room, hoping to see the pastor. But in his absence, all I could see were frightened faces. If he didn't arrive by the time the church bell stopped ringing, he'd be locked outside. The demons could not get through the doors if they were closed, not without a vessel anyway. That's why they had to be firmly shut before the fog touched the ground. It's too late, we gotta close the door, Miriam said. With that, a couple of guys dressed in robes closed the doors. The bells fell silent, 
and a bunch of torches and candles were lit to keep the building away from the falling darkness. Miriam ordered everyone to sit down and went around counting each and every one of the survivors. 39, 40, she counted out loudly before stopping. There are three people missing, including the pastor. None of us spoke a word. As much as we wanted to save the latecomers, we knew they were already dead. But without the pastor there to keep us safe, we hadn't the faintest clue what might come next. Three vessels, I mumbled, knowing the fate of each missing person. See, the demons themselves could do nothing as long as we didn't leave the church during the event. The pastor had made sure of that. But once a vessel had been found, there was no limit to the horrors they could commit. And without the pastor there to exercise and exile the demons, we could do nothing except wait for our inevitable demise. What are we going to do? Johnny asked. I don't know, I said honestly. Then the knocking began, soft at first, barely a thump on the door. Do you think it's one of the survivors? Alice asked. Demons don't knock, we should open up, one of the survivors suggested. Fuck that, no one outside could possibly still be alive, another one said. What if it's the pastor? I suggested. But the knocking didn't sound erratic or urgent at all. They were just rhythmic, slow thumps, slowly getting louder. We never open the door, Miriam said sternly. We just have to wait it out like always. What about the demons? If they found vessels, they'll try to get in, Alice said. The doors are reinforced, they'll hold, Miriam responded, trying to sound confident, but anyone that knew her could tell it was a facade. We stepped away from the knocks as they kept getting louder. Then something started knocking on one of the boarded up windows in the back, same rhythm, quiet at first, but getting louder. Oh God, we're going to die, a man shouted. As he finished that hopeless sentence, the third knock began. With each passing sound, the knocks got louder, harder, but never changed in frequency. They quickly surpassed the strength of any human, and before long, small cracks were formed where the demons were knocking. Within minutes, they'd be inside. I kept hoping for the pastor to come and save us, but even he was little more than a mortal man, one that had surely perished in the fog. We have to run, Miriam suddenly said. As soon as the doors break, just run, get out of town. We'll die, I shot back in shock. Most of us, yes, but a few might get out. We don't have any other choice. As much as I was hoping for a miraculous rescue, I knew she was right. I tried to come up with another feasible survival plan, but the loud bang of shattering wood broke my train of thought. The doors were opening, a few more knocks, and the demons would come inside. Alice and I grabbed our kids and got ready to run. Here they come! With that, the doors blew open, exploding in a hail of wood fragments. The pastor stood there, his abdomen cut open and his eyes dug out. He'd clearly been killed prior to the event, meaning he'd been taken as a vessel even after death. The other two were mere teenagers, two boys who always hung out together. Run! All at once, every single person started rushing past the demons. In the poorly attempted escape, 10 people immediately attacked in the span of five seconds. Their bodies were torn to shreds and their screams short-lived as their guts hit the ground. My family made it out with only a few scratches, but that didn't mean we were safe. Once outside, the Mermilos could finally take hold of us as their vessels. One by one, the survivors fell to demons violently entering their bodies. Many broke in the process, some even crumbling apart from the sheer force of entry but we couldn't help. We just kept running. I'm not even sure what happened, but in the mess of it all, I lost track of Alice and Dylan. They'd been right behind me from the start, but suddenly they just weren't there. I stopped for a brief moment, calling out for my wife and child, but deep inside, I knew they'd already been taken. Where's mommy? Johnny asked as I held him in my arms. She's coming soon, I lied. The air around us had quickly fallen silent, presumably because everyone else had already died. I'd only gotten halfway through town, but I couldn't carry on any longer. 
The demons, bound and unbound, would come for us at any moment, so I searched for the closest shelter, if only to buy a moment of time. Why are you stopping here? Johnny asked. We just need to hide out for a bit, okay? I boarded up the door, knowing it wouldn't help. Our only chance was for them not to notice our presence. Is mommy coming? He asked. Yes, of course. We just gotta wait and be real quiet. But how will she find us then? He asked. She will. Everything will be all right. There was nothing more I could do, except to warn whoever accidentally stumbled into our little town. So I sat down and started writing this note, hoping that someone would find it after our deaths. Hopefully it'll serve as enough of a warning that anyone who reads it just turns around and leaves before they hear the sound of the church bells ringing. Goodbye. Thanks for listening. If you're tuning in on Apple Podcast, please take a minute to leave a review. Your review directly helps the podcast grow and allows me to continue coming out with the best horror stories on the internet. Thank you so much.